0: Hey everybody! This is Phil Town.
1: This is Danielle Town.
0: And welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are teaching and learning at the same time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one teaches, one learns.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm learning a lot, actually. You know, it's you know, you, you, of course, I should mention what we're what we're doing here. We're studying. Dad, what are we
1: doing here?
0: <laughs> we're we are studying Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Trying to channel these guys. This is something I've been doing for 30 years, and Danielle has been learning from me. Um, And we are, I don't know, about 120 podcasts into this learning process.
1: It sounds Um, like we're um, like those people who contact the dead trying to channel Warren Buffett and Charlie
0: Munger. And they're not dead, they're not dead. I, we, we were just visiting Charlie last February, Dan, and Danielle and I went to his annual meeting. And Charlie was making a joke about the age of his board of directors. He said they just <laughs> added a new board of director member quite young, and that reduced the average age of the board of directors to 89. <laughs> <laughs> That's right me up.
1: He's in very good humor about his age. (laughs) I think they both are. I think when you've had a really good life, it must get to the point where you're just like, things are good, you know? Like, "Um, if I kick the bucket tomorrow, it's okay. If I keep on for another 20 years, that'd be great. Like, things are good. It's
0: so interesting where both these guys are at right now for investing as well, because... They're both really up there a long way, and they're continuing in terms of age, and they're continuing to implement the same basic strategy they've been implementing for 60 years, and that is to wait patiently yeah. in cash. This
1: is an investing podcast. Oh, Maybe yeah. now we should say that like mm, two minutes into it. This is an investing podcast.
0: <laughs> That's what we're for doing. Everyone who
1: accidentally clicked on it, where dad, who is a hedge fund manager and educator- uh, about investing is trying to teach me how on earth he does what he does, and what he does is try to channel Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. And so I have also learned a lot about them.
0: And I have to say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Since Daniel's first investment was Whole Foods, which was just acquired by Amazon, and we were trying to calculate the exact rate of return, kind of depends on how we adjust her basis for the dividends that she got. But basically, she's ballpark 50% return inside of one year. That is great investing. So Charlie and Warren, here's the point I was going to make there real quick. Charlie and Warren, Danielle is staring at the ceiling. Dan, Char, Charlie and Warren. Tell me, tell um, me,
1: tell me about Charlie and they're Warren. They're both you know old what? guys. Every time you talk about them, though, we learn something. So it's They're
0: good. both old guys, and, and they are both still... Being very, very patient. I mean, look, when you're 93 and you're being patient, then you know that you really have one way to invest. That's all you know. And so that's all you do. You don't do short-term stuff even when you're 93. Because, yeah,
1: that's an interesting point, actually.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, Charlie's basically investing for his family now, for the, for the generations yeah. of mongers, who he was, I hope, teasingly saying, don't do much. And so, because they've got these millions of dollars in great-grandfather's bank account. And Charlie's basically has not bought a stock for about three years. He has Costco and Berkshire that he bought a while back. And he has a bunch of cash that he's sitting on. Warren, on the other hand, And he has has, some
1: Chinese fund that he owns.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got a- That's right. That's uh, Lou's fund. I forget his name. Because we don't really invest in funds, so- Charlie's got a little money there. So um, Warren also, or on the other hand, is sitting on approximately $100 billion of cash now, $100 billion, although he may have just spent $9 billion. He's trying to to acquire a bankrupt energy company down in Texas right now. And there's a bit of a bidding Uh war going on with another investment group. And Warren doesn't get into bidding wars, So we'll see if the uh, utility chooses him or not. So, Hmm. um, he is basically sitting on,
1: it's a, sorry, I don't know about this. It's a private company.
0: Uh, yeah, it is now. I mean, it's bankrupt. So the stock is gone. So they're bringing it out of bankruptcy, Texas utility and Buffett has been buying utilities. He owns, um, interestingly, the Iowa utility, um, I forget the name of it, but they are the largest, they, they produce more wind energy. Um, than any other utility, I think, in the United States. And um, they believe that Iowa will be oil and gas independent. It will not require oil and gas energy at all um, by 2025, I think. What? Yeah. They That's are, in
1: seven, eight years. Yeah.
0: they. I, I might have this a little wrong, so don't take this to the bank, but I'm, I'm just remembering some things I read. Um, that they've really, really are proud of what they're doing with wind energy in Iowa and it's it's there's a lot wow. of wind in Iowa it blows yeah. hard. yeah and, uh, so they're doing well with that. And uh, that's created a, a a really good relationship between the Iowa Utilities Commission and Buffett, Berkshire. Hmm. and mm-hmm. he's taking that really good relationship and he's going around the country looking for utilities um, that might prefer him even at a low price because well, that's such see a good liking. Role.
1: Yeah, I can see him liking utilities because of the obvious moat that they have. Right. The It would be a toll bridge
0: moat, right? Correct. It's just a total monopoly granted by the government, um, in effect. And, um, and you know, here in Georgia, if you want energy, you go to Southern companies and get it, um, unless you want to put solar panels on your roof uh, at the cost of $85,000 or so, and a payback time of 30 years, including the government subsidy. So- Otherwise, most of us just get our energy from Southern. And that's uh, that's the way these companies protect themselves. They have a huge regulatory toll bridge moat that protects them. And of course, as a result of that, they're, they, you rarely get a very good deal when you're trying to buy a utility because hmm. all you're buying really is the, the uh, underlying dividend, which is typically around right now around two to three percent. So you mean it,
1: because it won't grow that much?
0: Right, it doesn't. It, its growth is restricted by the state. Um, they can't just raise their prices willy-nilly. And and um, if, in fact, let's say natural gas prices continue to go down, utilities are often required to lower their prices to their customers. Yeah. So they control their they control their the state controls their profit margins aggressively, and um, so you buy them for you know I mean you get a certain growth rate with. With inflation, which is good, and then you get uh, a dividend. But the problem is with buying utilities is often they've been bid up enormously, so that the dividend is low and the rate of growth is low, because you already paid too much for the company. So, when Buffett's trying to do is just buy the utilities out of bankruptcy or buy them when they've been mismanaged and um, and get them at a reasonable price. Um, as he and Charlie insist on. So the point I was trying to make the long way around was that these guys are old guys. They don't know how long they're going to be around. And they still implement a very, very patient strategy that we teach here about rule one investing, which is to just sit tight until you know what you've got is on sale. And you understand it. And it's got a protection against competition. It's run by people you like. And those don't come along every day. So The reason that we think that you, the listener and Danielle and I can go out and beat the market is that the market itself is full of impatience. The market is pretty much operated or pretty much most of the market trading that's going on is through institutional investors who really, as we have discussed many times here, operate on a monthly to quarterly basis where one year is a very, very long time to be patient. And we're in an environment where, as I said, Charlie hasn't bought a stock in three years. So that just isn't possible for the people who are out there competing with each other, running funds. They just can't do it. But you can do it, and that's a huge difference. You can do well, it.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. We talked. You bring up a really a point I hadn't really thought much about because I uh, so I sold Whole Foods, and I said last time how sad it made me, and now it's been a little while, and I'm starting to think, okay, what's the next? Like, what's next? Right. What do I buy? And I have I have holdings in a couple, you know, like little things. Like, we've talked a lot about how I like to do practice shares and you like to kind of tiptoe into companies. So I have a couple of tiny little purchases that I've made to sort of test the waters, but nothing that I'm really too excited about. And, uh, yeah, it might be patience time Yet
0: again, which... I think I think it's really, really is patience time yet again. Um, let's talk a little bit about whether Amazon got a good deal. I, I'm, you know, one of the reasons we're trying to be patient is because the prices of companies um, have been driven up radically high by government uh, government policy at, at the Federal Reserve, which is to lower interest rates to nearly zero and as a result, make bonds very unattractive. Um, Government bonds are very unattractive. No one wants to buy a long-term government bond and get 2.5%, So, because they just assume that down the road, inflation is going to come back, and then the value of your bond will be very little. So, the, the, the stock markets being the only game in town with cash flow from dividends that exceed bonds substantially, has been bid up and up and up, given that there's no real viable other place for money to go. And um, and in addition to it being bid up by people who are looking for cash flow, it's being bid up by the companies themselves. They are buying back their stock in massive amounts, in historical amounts. Um, Oh, really? Across the board. Across the board, enormous number of companies buying their wow. own stock.
1: We haven't talked about that at all.
0: We really haven't. Um, but it's an important reason why the market continues to go up. And then a third reason is that uh, larger companies are buying smaller companies because they can borrow the money at very, very low interest rates. And so it makes acquisitions look very attractive mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And so they're bidding up. And one of those that just got bid up was Whole Foods. It was mm-hmm. um char- it was selling for about thirty-two dollars a share, thirty-three a share. Danielle bought it at twenty-eight. And um I
1: think you bring the price down that I bought it at every single time.
0: You no, it was you it. bought it at twenty nine <laughs> and then you got a dollar off of the uh off of dividends. So, so I'm thinking so i think I'm be in like I
1: got it at like four bucks. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You guys didn't see that one? Oh, you missed it. It's one of those midnight sales. <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. Stop it. All right. So 28 is your basis. I checked. And, All right. Um, and it was selling for 32. So you already had a nice little profit. But then in comes Amazon as a white knight buyer um, who is a white knight because they were asked by John uh, Mackey, the pre- the CEO and major shareholder of Whole Foods and the founder of Whole Foods, they were asked to come into the deal, to to come in and buy him.
1: I have not read that. Where did you read that?
0: Well, this is an assumption I'm making.
1: Oh, good Lord. I did all this research trying to find out if anybody's talked about how that deal came about and I haven't found anything. So you guys listening, if you found any articles or interviews printed about how this deal between Amazon and whole foods happened, I would love to see it. Send it to questions at investedpodcast.com. I'm super curious if that's true. If Mackie asked Amazon to come in or if they came up with this genius idea on their own, because it's a genius idea. I wish I had thought of it.
0: It is. And it may turn out that Bezos contacted Mackie, but obviously they know each other. I mean, these guys are two of the most famous entrepreneurs in the country, they're peers. And um, it may not be that Mackie went first, but I guarantee you that he was excited to hear from Jeff Bezos one way or the other because he was under so, yeah. attack by a group of New York hedge funds um, that were trying to basically take over his com- company um, and do some short-term changes to it that would drive the price up that they could then sell out. And it's the last, they attacked Mackey personally, which is just unheard of, given that he's taken this company to the moon. But it just goes to show with Wall Street money, it's what have you done for me lately? And uh, it doesn't matter that Mackey built this incredible company. If if uh, the price, you know, they thought should be in the 40s or 50s and it's in the low 30s, they want to replace him with somebody who can make the price happen right now. Doesn't matter if the company dies as a result of it, and that's a, that's a travesty. And, and Mackey wasn't about to let that happen, which is why I surmise he went looking for a buyer who could continue to implement his his strategy and would leave John in charge of Whole Foods. And uh,
1: See, that's what I'm not sure about, because Amazon's way of doing business is pretty much the same as those hedge funds that were trying to take over Whole Foods. They are
0: ruthless. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, I yes, yes, agree. yes.
1: I fully think that.
0: These hedge funds have a, a time frame they're looking at. Um, oh, I don't oh, mean that. A quarter. Yeah, Maybe I don't a mean a, a
1: short-term time frame at all. And,
0: and Amazon, of course, has the longest time frame on the planet because of totally. Bezos' insistence on building this monster company. So as a result, he somehow managed to do the amazing thing that Wall Street never lets you do, which is to have a very successful stock in spite of not having a lot of earnings. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's spending it all. But I do think
1: Amazon has absolutely no sense of conscious capitalism or ethos to their company of doing good in the world and supporting small producers in any way. Amazon has pretty much blown most small producers out of the water, small stores, small mom and pop chains, like little, you know, everything little has been destroyed basically by Amazon. And again,
0: I I say that
1: I disagree. it's not true. It's not, They have, Dad.
0: They have done some of that, no question. But they yes. have also made it possible for small entrepreneurs to have a national, if not international, distribution chain. So Amazon, if you can get your stuff up on Amazon and people can find it, you all of a sudden don't need the storefront.
1: Well, so that's true for small products, but... And even as I'm saying that, that's not really true for small
0: products. Wait a second. Look, I'm buying Zeewee dog food for the dogs, which is this amazing dog food out of New Zealand. And there's no way in a million years I would have been able to do that without Amazon. I just go to Amazon and buy it. Totally. Totally.
1: But your local pet food store might have carried that dog food if it were really good. And now you no longer have a local pet food store.
0: Well, that is true. I I probably no longer have a local pet food store because I don't need them for that kind of stuff. Um, They're going to have to find another reason to exist. Because
1: Amazon has replaced them. Okay, well, I I will agree there's an argument
0: to be made here, for sure.
1: I say all of that as a proud Amazon Prime customer and obsessive user of Amazon. And let me say one of the worst things about living in Switzerland is that there is no Amazon. And it has caused a cultural shift in my life because I'm so used to being able to order whatever I want from Amazon and have it in two days. So I love Amazon, but let's not ignore what Amazon has done to small stores in America. It's just a fact. And okay, it
0: is a fact. They have a bunch a, of stores. And here's
1: the point. It's a different ethos than Whole Foods has. And I'm not actually arguing that Amazon is like the bad guy or bad or doing bad things. I actually think Amazon is fantastic and is going to change our world for the better. And I think the merging of Whole Foods and Amazon is a fantastic indication in the direction of good. It's saying Amazon wants some of that Whole Foods conscious capitalism in its world, and I think that's a really good thing. The question is, how can Whole Foods maintain that within this giant behemoth that is Amazon? And I think that's something that John Mackey is going to have to do for us.
0: Well, I think that Amazon may have a bad reputation in terms of destroying you know, the little local store, certainly well-deserved for that to the degree it happens. But I don't think it has – it's not a fair reputation to say that it is um, doing it all on the basis of price. What it's doing it is on the basis of convenience. And I think it's both. I go on there and buy high-priced stuff all the time. Let's, let's use the Ziwi dog food as an example. This stuff costs – for 2.2 pounds, this stuff costs like – I don't remember exactly, $20, $30. I mean it's well, super high-priced not- dog food
1: but you're not comparing it to a it's not an actual comparison. I mean the so the comparison should be what it costs in a store versus what it costs on Amazon. The, the price is x is the price on Amazon x minus or is it x plus?
0: Well, okay, but that's that's the again, I'm I'm giving you the fact that they're knocking off stores but not because it's just low price stuff. In other words, it's not the dollar store of the internet. It's got a lot of stuff out there that's high priced. Um, it's just that maybe I can buy it yeah. a little cheaper there. But I don't even look for that. I mean, I'm not a buyer that's looking at price necessarily. If I'm going out to buy a, you know, a, a dog food or a or a sports coat or something like that. Like I tried buying. Here's an example of where Amazon fails for me: is I tried buying a nice quality sports coat on Amazon and
1: yeah they have not succeeded that doesn't with
0: work at all. the whole no. cloth thing does not work you, no, they you have don't see the texture way. you don't really see the color you don't see the all of that stuff doesn't work so it, you know that was a thing i had to send back and then go to a store personally and look through the stuff so there's yeah. there's going to be a place i'm just thinking of the difference between yeah, Z- switzerland where there's no amazon and and america like let's say amazon just 20 years from now is everywhere. And Switzerland doesn't let it in there. So Switzerland's got all these little small stores, and people go downtown and they walk around and they meet each other. And it's more like an old school life where you have an interactive community, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, like there is online retailers in Switzerland. They're just Swiss.
0: Oh, okay. So it's just not Amazon. But isn't right. Switzerland trying to protect its, its yeah, shop, that, that's small the shop point. guys?
1: Yes, it's, it's, it's all about protecting Swiss industry, Swiss companies, buying Swiss, selling Swiss. It's all about Swissness.
0: Yeah, it's all about Swissness. And in, in America, you know, these guys are taking down small stores, perhaps in the, in the local square. But what might replace those small stores is hundreds of entrepreneurial ventures that now can reach a big audience.
1: Absolutely, and that's why I said from the very beginning I support Amazon, and I think that they're not the bad guy. But that doesn't change the fact that they've knocked out a lot of stores.
0: Yeah, I honestly that's don't that- know where I, I don't know where I stand on this. It's like I'm an old guy, so I don't I haven't got it figured out. But you can, you <laughs> but guys I can think, embrace it. Uh, on the
1: clothing, on the clothing thing, they're trying. They own Zappos. I don't know if you've ever used Zappos, Dad, but it's a fantastic clothing site. I highly recommend it. And they will send you clothes in one day. They started out with just shoes. Now they do everything. And they're just super good at showing what things look like and the fit and all that stuff. So actually, little known fact, Amazon owns them. But they have left Zappos. Do you know about Zappos?
0: Well, I think I sent you your first pair.
1: No, no, you're thinking of Tom's.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of Tom's.
1: (laughs) You did give me my first pair of Tom's shoes. Those were cool.
0: <laughs> I thought that was Zappos. Okay, sorry. Not Tom's Zappos.
1: makes Tom's makes shoes, and Zappos is an online real retailer in oh, Las okay. Vegas, and um and they've hugely disrupted the clothing industry. And uh, the guy who founded it has become one of the sort of uh, well-known names amongst entrepreneurs for coming up with his own way of doing things that uh, that really worked, and a lot of people didn't think it would. So he sold out to Amazon, I don't know, a few years ago, and um, Amazon have, has left them to be them. Like, Amazon has not changed Zappos. And most of us wouldn't even know that Amazon owns Zappos, except that I think maybe at the way bottom of their site, it says something in tiny letters like, Click here for Amazon or something like that. Mm -hmm. So they've really succeeded in that with Zappos. And I wonder if that's a good indication that maybe they'll succeed with it with Whole Foods as well, leaving Whole Foods to be Whole Foods and be successful in the way that Whole Foods is successful in the same way that they've done that with Zappos. I I don't think there's
0: any chance that John Mackey would have sold out to someone who's just simply going to pillage the company the way he was trying to escape from with those hedge fund guys. Um, he's absolutely been and left in charge. I'm sure that was part of the deal, and I'm sure that you know Bezos is interested in continuing the Whole Foods legacy. I mean, Bezos is a disruptor, and a a guy who's working for a future that's you know better and different than today. And and Whole Foods certainly yeah, fulfills that legacy. So that's I'm true. I'm really curious if we can figure out why he paid forty two dollars because as we said last time. You know, clearly that, you know, almost would never happen that John Mackey would walk in and say, hey, 42 and and Bezos would go, oh, 42. Cool. Let's just do it. Um,
1: yeah, I thought it was cool last time how um, so we got to kind of the middle number between the two of them because we, we you were looking at free cash flow and you thought that uh, basically if you looked at a normal growth rate, which. I can't remember what growth rate you used, but I, I want think to say we were playing 10%, with 10% or something. 10%? Yeah. Uh, if they grew at that rate, then 42 is too little. And if they didn't grow at all, then 42 is too much, and we kind of decided both might be reasonable depending on what kind of money they could put into the company versus what the situation would have been if Whole Foods went on as it was, and basically they ended up in the middle. Which I think seems like a perfectly reasonable and plausible way that things happened.
0: Yep. And we also realized that if that, if, you know, since they sold it at 42 um, it makes a pretty strong case that the margin of safety price was something in the low twenties. So. You know.
1: Oh yeah. So that's what we're trying to get to <laughs> is let's do the margin of safety price.
0: Yeah. Let's do the analysis. Um, a couple of things are important about Whole Foods that I, I think um will feed into our our discussion of value here. Um, one is kind of their long-term growth rate is is coming from several, you know, we use several different uh, criteria for growth rates, several different uh, numbers in the accounting system. I'm
1: really glad that you're mentioning this right off the bat because I do not know what growth rate to pick. I like looking at their numbers. They're all over the place.
0: They are all over the place. So, um, over on our toolbox, we we have um, the annual numbers and the annual growth rates, and then we also compile Where is them. your
1: toolbox, and what are you talking about?
0: Ah, okay. Rule1investing.com. There's a toolbox there, and you can use it for free for a while. See if you like it. Um, so you can go over there and take a look and sign up, and and you can get into the tools. We'd give them to you for free if they were given to us for free, but I got to pay for them, all oh, the the flow of data. and. We spend about just to put this in perspective, so you don't think I'm hustling you guys. We spend last year we spent I think over four hundred thousand dollars on just on IT guys to keep mm-hmm. the toolbox operating because you have all this data coming in. We have, I think, four or five hundred million pieces of data coming in daily, uh, in terms of changes your website of like
1: conglomerates all the SEC data for each company, right?
0: It Well, it does a couple of things. First, we, we subscribe to a conglomerator, if you will, um, who grabs all that data and then charges us to put that in our hands. And then we take that data and manipulate it mathematically to present that data so I could present it to myself as a Rule 1 investor, how I would like to see that data. So. Instead of just looking at data year by year, I can see okay, what's the ten-year average of this data? What's the seven-year average? Five-year average? And then get it, you know, and then score that over time. And what that does is help kind of cut through all of the amazing pile of numbers that are out there for companies. So basically, we boil down uh, figuring out the value of a business to a pretty simple thing, and that is that the value of a business today is the discounted Value of all of the cash that that business will produce into the future. So we say, okay, well, uh, if I'm going to make a million dollars a year for the next 50 years, that's $50 million. What's the value of that today? And certainly the answer would be different than $50 million, right?
1: Yeah. I don't Is know, this you, the we, margin of safety price that you're yeah, talking about? Yeah. Okay. So, like, you know, because not in the pay... real world, in the non-rule number one investing world, people call this a discounted cash flow analysis.
0: Correct. Okay. Which we just so call that, the margin of safety analysis.
1: The discounting part,
0: yeah. and we don't call it that because we do it a little differently. It works out to be about the same thing, but really don't want to give it a, a Wall Street name. Um, because yeah, what because really I don't have a at, clue
1: what that name means, and it drives me crazy.
0: Yeah, what we really want to do is we want to we want to find out what's all of this money going to be worth let's say 10 years from now. So we say if we estimate what whole foods will be doing in terms of growing its earnings and so on and we estimate that out about 10 years and say okay assuming that it gets there what would that stock sell for with that kind of earnings and that kind of growth rate. So that we uh-huh. sort of have a tool set that will do the work and say all right as a stock this should sell for you know I don't know whatever let's see let me just look it up for a second here on
1: you Whole mean
0: Foods in Ripley. ten years? Yeah, we just kind of yeah, because ten years is a long, long way to to try to uh, to figure out something about a company, right? I mean, it's way, way out there. Um,
1: yeah, like a lot can change in ten. A years. A lot can
0: change for sure, right? A lot so, should
1: change, probably.
0: You know, in this in this particular case. Um, just kind of figuring out what the growth rate is. If we said we think the growth rate is going to be about 10% a year um, and we give this company a 20 PE ratio, which is the multiple of, of earnings, um, we can see that in 10 years it might be worth, I don't know, Depend. Uh, let's, let's run the numbers. What do you say we run them?
1: Yeah, but can we back way up because we need to talk about this growth rate thing. I really yeah. wouldn't I really want to know how you get there. And can we maybe do it in the next episode?
0: Oh yeah, you want to?
1: Because I think it's gonna take a little while. I have a lot of questions.
0: Okay. Then let's let's dive deeper into Whole Foods the next episode and we we'll go into the growth rate. We'll go into the numbers that we use to figure it out and try to see how did these guys end up at forty two bucks.
1: Yeah, we'll go straight into margin of safety next time. No chitter chatter (laughs) about about the deal. I promise.
0: (laughs) So, until then, time to go play. See you.
1: Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Invested. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three day transformational investing workshop for free where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days. We don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free. So come on over there and take a look at that. And by the way, as our lawyers want me to say, everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion. My opinion's right and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play.